There's another reason that is patently obvious to the issue we're talking about in that global warming is caused by excessive energy consumption when you're still using fossil fuels and every country pretty much except I think maybe Greenland or something Mm. or Iceland. Iceland is the only country that doesn't use fossil fuels in like the entire world, basically. Mm. So every time you turn on the air conditioner in the United States, in England, in Canada, in Australia, in China, you are making global warming worse, which is the reason that it's so hot in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, speaking of uh, how to stay cool and hot, I grew up in Wuhan, which is known to be one of the three hottest cities in China. But I think (laughs) it's like losing its reputation now because even Beijing gets so hot in the summer nowadays. I so came anyhow. from Wuhan to Beijing mm. when it was the hottest in July right. and I felt it was cooler in Beijing. You thought it was and, you know, The reason was it was the same temperature in both cities mm. but Beijing was less humid. That's true. And yeah. Wuhan was like sticky hot. It's like you have to try to sweat. <laughs> yeah, you walk and outside he... and within two seconds you're drenched <laughs> yeah. in your own sweat because your body is immediately reacting to it. In Beijing you feel like it's, oh, it's It's so hot, but that's only if you're like standing right in the sun. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason, and today with me is Bebe. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? Wonderful. Yeah, so the rain has finally stopped in my part of Beijing. What about your Well, I think it's side? just the flooding seems mostly isolated to Mengtogo. And, you know, here in Shijingshan, we're, I don't know, 10, 20 kilometers from there. So I think we're okay in my area. I read in the news that this is the largest rainfall in Beijing in 140 years. Do you remember it was about September 2012? There was also a flood in Beijing. I remember a couple years ago. I'm not, maybe it was later than that, but I do remember one year, actually a few years following that, I was still living in where you live, that area. And I was amazed to see water like mm. actually like welled up on the street. Because Beijing is known to be pretty dry. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I was like, wow, so much water. And at that time, I think that part of the city wasn't so Mm -hmm. used to so much water. So it wasn't fast enough in getting rid of it. So, you know, speaking of extreme weather, I think there are going to be all kinds of tricky things to deal with in the future. Well, I know the news is showing, I mean, and in fact, there is an enormous amount of flooding in Mengtogo and that is it's headed Mm -hmm. south a bit and it's even covers part of the tarmac at uh, Daxing Airport. However, I arrived in China in July 2012 and it was about two months later there was a flood and uh, it was up to my waist where I was. What's interesting to me is there's more water deluging or the deluge was much greater this time. However, Mm. the flooding this time is isolated to Mengtogo and it's not affecting the Mm. main parts of Beijing. So there were a lot of steps that have been taken between then and now to create these underwater underground fissures and things for water to be siphoned away. Mm -hmm. And in my assessment, yes, you know, the flooding this time, probably driven by climate change, is more dramatic. However, most of the city seems to have come out okay compared to the last time a decade ago. 
Well, they're probably so much more experienced, you know, from years and decades ago. And funny how your impression of Beijing, you know, only two months after your first arrival, was <laughs> that this is a city that floods, and that was news to us, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's usually pretty dry. And also, I saw videos of、uh, the Forbidden City. You know how just a few days ago, here where I live, it kept raining for like three days, pretty much nonstop. It was like wet all the time. Mm. And I saw videos、mm-hmm. of、uh, the Forbidden City and how you know people were commenting on the ancient system of I guess it's not irrigation but you know like the system for getting water out is there a term for that I, I would say irrigation but I don't that there might be a more specific word you may be right yeah and the, it was the first time that drainage it, the drainage yeah system of drainage in the whole like Forbidden City complex and there was this shot of you know these dragon water heads. That are like the openings、yeah. for draining water out from upper levels, and so these were all spewing out water, and that was the moment that it clicked, and I realized that,、mm. huh? In Chinese, we call the faucet, we call it 水龙头 which means water dragon head. So these、oh. like fixtures in buildings, like、mm. stone fixtures carved into the shape of a dragon head for draining, <laughs> that's where it came from. These were literally stone dragon heads used for draining water.、Mm-hmm. So all of them were working in the city, and they had like tunnels and other stuff. So the palace wasn't flooded or anything. That's、and、interesting. So back in the days, you know, architectural designs had to figure this in also. That's a great segue, baby, because we're talking about ancient methods、oh. of dealing with extreme. Weather today, with the world sweltering under summer sun and、mm. contributing cause of the heat, our very air conditioning that we use to stay cool. It's time for a hot take on what it means to stay cool. Did the ancient Chinese have it right? The Indians, and how does Chinese AC compare to the U.S.、Wow. as it is used as of late? So that's really interesting. You know, there's. I want to add to what you said because in Mengtogo, there is a temple called Tianjiesi. And in Tianjin, there、mm-hmm. even when it's not flooding, the, a lot of the water that comes、right. into Beijing flows through a dragon's head into a、uh, a reservoir there before coming into the rest of the city. It's part of one of the many inlets for water that come into the、oh. city from the west. So. That makes a lot of sense in that context. And speaking of reservoirs, there's the sad aspect when it comes to flooding. I mean, of course, it creates a lot of problems. But have you ever heard of like designated areas for flooding? Like during severe floods, these villages or you know just areas where people actually live, they are designated as areas where they will be flooded over to let out. Extra water、What? from the、wow. reservoirs. It's like if you. That's terrible. I know, but it's they know it. Like all the villagers, they know it. They've known it. You could. Can't they move? They can. I was just asking my friends in my like book club circle. Sounds like a ticking、it、time、is. bomb.、And、some people who've lived there for decades have moved for this reason, like temporarily, like dozens of times. And、uh, but they know it. They know they're on the path of、uh, the flood letting out path. Whatever you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. But they go back to it because. That that's where their farmlands are. These are usually rural areas with open spaces. So you know they during the good seasons without flooding, it doesn't happen every year. So normal times, that's where they farm. And because of the flooding and also the rich soil that's left over, it's actually these are actually good areas for growing crops.、Uh, but of course, you live there with you know full knowledge that maybe this year, or maybe next summer, or a few summers in the future, I、uh, would have to relocate temporarily and. 
just as we are speaking, every time when this happens, it's the uh, the police officers, it's the soldiers. You know about this, right? Soldiers rescuing, also engaged in preventative work, you know, actually relocating people before things happen. It's just that some people, they just don't pay attention. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just reading the news and the villagers, I mean, yeah. uh, local officials and village heads, they have told them, warned them, and again, again, that there is a official order to relocate. Please do so. I mean, most people would take this very seriously, right? But they're just all kinds of people. And some people just keep ignoring it. And these are the ones that, you know, the people have to come back and rescue when after the flood actually happens, because it happens very quickly. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, this time, uh, the Chinese people are actually used to this. I mean, we are this culture, right? We know we're familiar with flooding, with the great rivers. But nowadays, it happens right. a little bit more frequently than before. But anyhow, I just wish, you know, more people, everybody can stay safe. This is not the topic of today's show, but as long as we're talking, maybe they could build like uh, houses on like steel and concrete stilts. Then when the floods come, they just look down and say, well, I guess our crop didn't come in this year, but they'll be okay in their home. You know, maybe it's just the kind of architecture. They actually, a lot of people nowadays, like living in these villages, they have apartments and other areas of residence in like cities or towns or counties. Mm. But they have to go back to their farm I if see. they want to keep farming. Right. You know, that's where their land is. Right. right? They're farmers. Yeah. So and how this is all part of, you know, the weather climate and climate change. So it's literally staring us in the face. So we're talking about like hot weather today, how to deal with how to stay cool. The UN General Secretary Guterres, he came out with a speech about a few days ago and he Mm. was he's a little redder than normal in the face. He seemed emotional and he was basically like the hottest five days in a row happened in July in the history of Mm. mankind's time on Earth. So in global temperatures. So it is absolutely getting to the point where it's not just noticeable, but it's become very serious. Mm, you know, unbearable. one of the things that happens when a heat wave strikes a city or an area is the most vulnerable people are susceptible to things like strokes and heart attacks and people can actually pass away, especially elderly mm. people. And if say maybe you didn't pay your air conditioning bill, then mm-hmm. I don't even know how you can exist in some of these temperatures. So I wanted to talk about Unique non-energy using solutions. Huh. A little bit. Basically ancient ways. Yeah, ancient. <laughs> and this is trending in a lot of, uh, like on the BBC, for example, where I got this article, How Ancient Sky Wells Are Keeping Chinese Homes Cool. This is by a person. Sky Wells. Sky well. It's basically like. I try to envision it, this. Well, I've seen them. I've <laughs> seen them a lot, but they're mostly older homes. I don't think I've seen a lot of homes that I haven't seen very many at all homes that are actually built like this today. But Mm. these are like old wooden buildings that are Mm -hmm. two or three stories tall. And in the middle, there is a an opening and you can look up and you can see the sky. So these sky wells actually, you know, heat rises. This is one of the laws of thermodynamics. So if you have a hole in the middle of your house that goes up, Mm -hmm. then the heat will just leave. So if you're in the shade and there's any breeze at all, Mm -hmm. then the entire inside of the home will become cooler Uh than the outside of the home. So this is just basic mechanics in action in ancient architecture. So we're talking about like a circular compound? No, no. Or rectangular compound with like an opening in the middle, right? And rooms on the side. This is like, yeah, there's Mm. just like a building. 
that is regularly shaped like a square or rectangle. Mm -hmm. And there will be stairs and things. And there are a lot of, you know, if you saw the picture Mm. from the article, it would make a lot more sense. It's like there's a courtyard in the middle, a little bit like Beijing Sihoyar, right? Sihoyar in Beijing, where there's a courtyard in the middle, but it's taller. Like the buildings are a little taller. So there's a chimney. It's almost shaped like a chimney. So cool air can... It's not a chimney as much as just a... Okay, picture this. You know the Hong Kong style giant apartment buildings? They oftentimes are in a square and the middle is open and it just open into the sky. It's like this, but on a smaller scale for a two or three story home. Mm -hmm. Or like a courtyard style home that is one or two stories that has an opening in Mm -hmm. the middle. There are a lot of ancient Chinese buildings like this. I've seen them in a ton of Chinese movies and things where there's like a, basically a courtyard style, but sometimes it's actually hmm. just part of the interior of the home and there's a hole which can be covered if it rains and things. This is- Hey, you know, I was just thinking a fun comparison because when you talk about yards, right? In the US, we have the front yard and the backyard, uh-huh. but the yards are always outside. Sure. You have a house, right? That's like a, a box, yeah. a solid box, right? Well, not solid, but you know, it's all together. Mm-hmm. And then it can be surrounded by yards, but this this we're talking about the yard is actually inside the house mm-hmm. and open to the sky. <laughs> so because I think it's a you know it's a harder for people to understand if they're thinking of the Western ways of front yard and backyard. Let me do a little physics. I want to explain a few things. In- oh, physics. So this, no, really simple, really simple. I'll keep it. So, <laughs> Not allowed. This, <laughs> okay, I lived in a very nice home at one point in my life. My father decided to spend a lot of money and buy a giant home, and we had a huge mm. mansion basically. One of the features this nice. had was called a whole house fan. And so some people will know what that is in the West. Mm. It's a hole yes. in the ceiling mm. that literally opens and you push a button mm. and a hole in the ceiling opens and then fans throughout the home turn on that are you can't even see. And they're like embedded mm-hmm. in walls and things. And the whole house fan will suck all of the air in the home out through the roof and new air will come in from the outside. Mm. Basically, this sky, ancient Chinese mm. architectural feature of sky wells is doing the same thing, but it does it very slowly and it just uses the physics of heat rises. If the Without heat, using electricity. Exactly. If the heat is rising and there's a hole in the roof, right, basically, the heat will just leave mm. and fresh air will come in through the windows from the outside and it refreshes the air. That sounds very nice. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than uh, anything. I mean, you just build the home like that mm-hmm. then you don't have to turn on air conditioning and you just tolerate that it's a little warm. It says studies have found that the temperatures inside some of the sky wells in southern China are significantly lower than the outside by 4.3 Celsius degrees. Hey, say, yeah, if it's if it's 36 degrees outside and it's 32 inside, mm-hmm. you're probably a lot happier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on the hottest days, even change by one degree, I think it can save your life. <laughs> and I think the understanding, like our standards for hot and cool might be a little different here in China and in the West. Like yeah. when I lived in the U.S., it was uh, shocking to feel how cold offices can get in the summertime. I mean, this is beyond understanding. Like, I think it was weeks ago when the summer just started that I saw a video. (laughs) It was in a uh, like office in the States and it was what early June, maybe late June. And ladies were wrapped up in like Mm. blankets and wool blankets. And some even pulled on like Mm. winter boots in the office. 
because it was so cold. They set it to, it's like beyond comprehension. They set it to 16 Celsius degrees. Wow. Which is, let me do a little conversion here. 16, yeah, like, uh, yeah, uh, let me see Fahrenheit, which is 60.8 degrees Fahrenheit. And here, like, we, I didn't even turn on the air conditioner until it was almost like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. I remember, I remember you telling me, no, I yeah. haven't started yet. <laughs> and Jason's like, are you crazy? <laughs> like, hot means close to 40 Celsius or literally above like 98. Well, I want to support your argument because my wife is Chinese and I'm American. Mm. And I grew up there until I was in my 30s. And now, you know, we share a home, obviously. And I, I, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I turn on the air conditioner mm. in the living room. I go into the living room and turn on the air conditioner and start making coffee, right? It's my morning. Mm. She wakes up about an hour after me. And so by off. the time she comes into the living room, she will be irate. How? Why is it so cold in here? And here's the thing. <laughs> I've only set it to like 21 degrees, not 16. And she gets, uh, Jason, don't 21, do that. So she'll turn it off mm -hmm. until it gets back to like 26 or something. Right. She'll leave it on at that. I have to, when we're both in the same room, she wants it to be 28. I want it to be 21. So we settle on 25 or 26. Yeah. Uh, compromise, right? It's talking about marriages. And also I think there's a common standard to set temperature at about 26 Celsius degrees, which is 78.8 Fahrenheit in offices, like in public areas, just to save energy so that we don't make mm. air even hotter from using air conditioners. I mean, like 26 is comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. You don't really have to be cold to be comfortable, just not too hot. I feel, I might sweat I might have like a little <laughs> which is I think that's uh, bearable and also there it's not just about saving energy for the Chinese public and it's not just about you know saving cost for electricity because I know some pretty wealthy mm. people and they don't turn their air conditioner on until it's like close to 98 or above Fahrenheit because there are side effects from air conditioning especially if you go from like hot to cold cold to hot like if you go in out and back in like your body has to keep adjusting oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge There's another reason that is patently obvious to the issue we're talking about in that global warming is caused by excessive energy consumption right. when you're still using fossil fuels and every country pretty much except I think maybe Greenland or something mm. or Iceland. Iceland is the only country that doesn't use fossil fuels in like the entire world, basically. Mm. So every time you turn on the air conditioner in the United States, in England, in Canada, in Australia, in China, you are making global warming worse, A which is worse. the reason right. that it's so hot in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, Speaking of uh, how to stay cool and hot, I grew up in Wuhan, which is known to be one of the three hottest cities in it's China. <laughs> but I think yeah. it's like losing its reputation now because even Beijing gets so hot in the summer nowadays. I so came anyhow. from Wuhan to Beijing mm. when it was the hottest in July. Right. And I felt it was cooler in Beijing. You thought it was and, you know, The reason was it was the same temperature in both cities, mm. but Beijing was less humid. That's true. And yeah. Wuhan was like sticky hot. It's like you have to try to sweat. <laughs> yeah, you walk outside and, and within two seconds you're drenched <laughs> yeah. in your own sweat because your body is immediately reacting to it. In Beijing, you feel like it's, oh, it's so hot, but it, that's only if you're like standing right in the sun. Mm. I wanted to mention that this article 
by BBC is actually talking about new architecture as well. And there's a, a part that, you know, Ooh. this ancient, quote, green wisdom, end quote, such as Skywells, continues to inspire today's climate adaptive design mm. and innovations in passive cooling. So there are postdoctoral researchers, it mentions, that are building, like buildings with basically Skywells in the middle of them. So there's actually a picture of a piece of architecture in eastern Chinese city of Jinan, which features a giant Skywell mm -hmm. in the middle of the building. So this is a, a feature that we can borrow from the past to make our buildings more resilient in the present. Right. And also, I read something about like putting an external layer to insulate the building from, you know, I guess both extreme heat and extreme cold. And also a lot of other things we can learn uh, by looking yeah. back, you know, the natural ways that can keep our environment better. Because thinking about it, where when was air conditioning invented? Like a couple of decades ago? Right. It hasn't always been there. And most people have survived the heat. Right. And thinking back, because I grew up in Wuhan, but, you know, thinking back, I don't remember being a really hot in the summertime. I know it was, but maybe that's just because I was a kid and kids just, we focused on having fun instead of, you know, complaining mm. about the temperature. And the time that I thought I was shocked by the heat in Wuhan was actually when I returned there for a visit when I was like in my early 20s. By that time, every family had like air conditioning. So I remember the time when I was walking out, when I opened the door to go outside and inside it's nice and cool. And then you open the door, mm. it, those two seconds when the like natural air hits you. Oh my gosh, I was like <laughs> dumbfounded. I literally stood there and I in that instant, I feel my pores, every single pore in my body open mm. and like a flood started. <laughs> I just started <laughs> sweating and it was like a little hard to breathe. Mm. It was like all of a sudden this humid pressure from outside just hits you. And I remember I was, you know, I went out to get something with my best friend. We were all walking outside. We had a little umbrella to shield ourselves from the sun, but still we were like panting, you know, with our <laughs> tongues hanging out and, and also common just, it was so hot. We thought it was funny because it was like walking into mm. a pressure cooker or like a steam oven. So that was like the first time I remember Wuhan as being really hot. It's funny because I spent, you know, the previous, uh, what, 14, 15 years living there and didn't really feel it. But we did have a few, I guess, what do you call it? Mm, tools for staying cool back in the days before air conditioning. Have you heard of the like bamboo bed? Yeah, you told us about that a couple years ago on this show. Yeah, it was so it's like completely handmade from bamboo. So it's like cool to the touch and it kind of stays cool. And another item that we had to have during summer times was uh, green bean soup. So I think in, in English, maybe you call it mom bean too. Like these green yeah, beans. I've actually heard people say it's kind of one of those England America things. Yeah, it's not something popular in the U.S. You don't really see, well, you have red beans and kidney beans, but not so much green beans. Mm -hmm. Green beans are known to cool you down, um, both in the sense of like temperature wise and also in the sense of, like, you know, Chinese medicine, right? where you have too much activity, like inflammation going on in your body. You have some green bean soup or paste and things like that. So these things help back then. Watermelons, lots of watermelons. <laughs> oh, yeah, watermelon is definitely in season. I'm eating watermelon 
frequently. Mm. What's interesting about the architecture, you, well, firstly, you mentioned insulation. I think most houses in America have insulation, but I just want to give another story. Mm. This is from my parents. This is just basic stuff. You know, shade matters and you can actually shade your home. So when my father and mother, they bought a new home about right. 20 years ago, or I want to say, and when they moved into that home, we moved We put that. trees, mm-hmm. new trees all around the outside of the house. And now those trees are very tall. And so the entire house is shaded ah. like in the summer. So that is something mm-hmm. you can do. I noticed that a lot of Americans, some Americans don't like the aesthetic of trees. So they move into a new home and they may, the first thing they do is cut the trees mm. down. Well, they're going to be paying for that. A lot of Americans don't like trees. They like different, they're different aesthetics for different people. But my parents are huge fans of trees and obviously they can cool your house down just by shading it in the summer. Of course, yeah, it's a natural way. And actually, I was reading an article saying how, like, uh, not just for homes, but for, like, whole cities. When they take a map of, like, different temperature of the city, like, different areas and the temperature, they notice how areas near parks and waterways are you know, much cooler than other areas. And so because this Mm. is especially uh, important in, let's say, Europe, because a lot of homes and maybe most homes in Europe don't really have air conditioning because normally it doesn't get that hot in the summer. But now it's becoming a a problem. And I think I read somewhere that just this year, was it in Spain Mm -hmm. that they recorded 44 degrees Celsius, like in the summer, which is like, So these are called mapping of extreme hotspots, and they're becoming a vital asset to city planners, you know, as the world warms up. And every year, you know, we hear about heat-related deaths, especially Mm. in Europe, because it's just, you know, older people and the young, they're much more vulnerable uh, to extreme Mm -hmm. heat. And for them, you know, 40 degrees or anything above can be considered extreme heat. I mean, here, like for me, 40, it's uncomfortable. But it's Mm -hmm. totally bearable. So here in this article, it says in 2022, more than 20,000 people died of heat-related causes in Europe. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a lot. With temperatures in the UK surpassing 40 Celsius, which is 104 Fahrenheit, for the first time in history. And in June this year, so in June of 2023, Areas in Spain registered 44 Celsius, which is 111 Fahrenheit. And city mm-hmm. dwellers across like the place and across the U.S. are not doing a whole lot better. There have been at least 13 heat-related deaths in Texas over the past two weeks. And this is an article that just came early July this year. And also people who study this <laughs> weather, they predict that extreme heat waves will spread over the southern U.S., and temperatures exceeding 43 Celsius, that's 110 mm-hmm. Fahrenheit, will be commonplace. So, oh, I guess people need to prepare for that mm. all over the place. I think this is a big concern. And, you know, one of the th- ways that can we can deal with this is not just installing more air conditioning, but we can begin with the very beginning, which is how is the building made? Oh, yeah. listening to The Bridge. So I have another article I'd like to share. This one is written by Feza Tabasum. 
Azmi. And it is from BBC also. How India's lattice buildings cool without aircon. Interesting, they say aircon. Yeah, so essentially there's holes in the building and it facilitates wind blowing Mm. through the building. And oftentimes there are also geometric shapes that are deployed Mm -hmm. so that the sunlight only hits the the shape of the building from certain angles at certain times, allowing shit. So there are all kinds of techniques. We can take Chinese ideas of the Skywell and India's ideas of the breathing of the buildings and we can build better buildings so architects right. you know for the most advanced buildings are actually changing how they would make the structure in the kinds of places that baby is talking about in the kinds of places where these astronomically high uh heat waves are starting to affect us so maybe the buildings that we've built already mm-hmm. you know we, uh, air conditioning or shade them with trees or there's other techniques we can use but for new buildings we can ventilate them better and we can allow sky wells and just let physics do its job you know if you have shade and you have wind that air that can move and heat that can leave the building you can cool the buildings down naturally and blocking out the sun just at the right angles like so the building the architecture feature you were talking about lettuce work right I think in their native language is called Jolly, J-A-A-L-I. And frankly speaking, this made me think of the word, was it tripophobia? Because there's so many like dots and holds, you know, it's like things are like, if you see a lot of dots uh, in a compact area or lots of holes, some people are kind of like a little scared of the visual effects from that. But this has proven to work. This is a word, tripophobia. Well, I I never heard of that. Scared of little geometric arrangements of dots. (laughs) That's compact together. Yeah. But you can uh, send it to you later. Interesting. Anyhow, so these feature, you know, from before pre- as before air conditioning days, people had all sorts of ways. Like they can paint their house white, right? To yeah, I was going to get into that. Yeah, less sunlight. You can yeah. Please tell us. Well, there's an article I have, and it's called "The White Roofs Cooling Women's Homes in Indian Slums." Also BBC, June 29th, written by mm-hmm. Vedana. Okay. And it's just basically, yeah, just paint the house white. Why? Because white reflects light. Mm. When the photons, which is the subatomic particle that comes off of the sun that is responsible for light, hits black, black absorbs almost all of the photons. The consequence of those photons being absorbed is heat. So you're actually causing, so black surfaces will become hotter and white surfaces Mm. will become cooler because white reflects as many photons as depending on the brightness of the whiteness. So the whiter your roof is, the cooler your home will become because you're essentially sending the light back. And speaking, well, thank you, Jason, the physics on the show. Speaking of building, the you know, the building sector has a major climate problem. And I mean, all over the world, right, we are talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. A concrete, concrete and also how alone to is a big problem, uh, yeah. keep the building cool, keep the building hot in the winter, right, warm enough in the winter. It's very energy intensive. And I'm envisioning a future where, mm-hmm. you know, architects, uh, designers, they combine the ways of natural cooling or natural uh, warming or keeping of heat with uh, the new technologies that we have. And an article here I have, it says emissions from buildings hit their highest ever level in 2019. I have to check when this article came out. Maybe we've made new records. Emissions counting for 38% of global carbon dioxide emissions. That's a lot. So cooling buildings can be especially energy intensive. And the number of air conditioning units is expected Mm. to more than triple worldwide by 2050. 
more than triple. I think by 2050, probably a lot of homes in, let's say, Europe would have air conditioner now. If, you know, summer, heat in the summer keep rising, then more people will be installing air conditioning. And then, you know, I bet large parts of India, you know, especially in rural areas, they don't have air conditioning. And these are all quote unquote potential markets. Right. But then with all so many people, millions, billions of people, more people using air conditioning, which they also, of course, they have the right to just maybe not enough money or the whole system to set it up. Uh, Imagine by then how much more admission and how hot the external air will be, you know, outside the cooled homes. So by 2050, when air conditioning units will triple, they will consume as much electricity as all of India and China today. And I can't imagine. And at, at the same time. Well, I'm thinking about what you're saying, and I'm thinking about the commitment to become carbon neutral. So the United States, most mm. European countries, and, and China, and probably more countries that I don't know about, have their individual commitments to become carbon neutral. So I believe China is supposed to become mm. completely carbon neutral by 2060. I'm not exactly sure. But right. peak yeah, peak by, by 30. 30. It'll probably yeah, peak by 27. Like you know, it looks like the, China is ahead of its own goal. China typically has that. But I'm not trying to brag on China right now. My point is, maybe... That has been factored into the plan. I'm sure that the economists and you know scientists who were creating those goals were also factoring in all of the people in current you know rural parts of China that are going to be moving into cities when they're creating those calculations. Otherwise, it wouldn't be accurate. So, in order to accommodate for all of for at least all of the mm. most advanced nations and the upper middle income countries, which include China and most of the G7, etc., that means that it's been factored in. So, even with an increase in air conditioning, a lot of that energy hopefully will be coming from renewable energy sources like solar and wind and and things like that. However, the problem may persist in the right. underdeveloped world like India, mm. Africa, South America, where they may not be able to make climate pledges right now because mm. they're not in a position. They need to build fossil fuel emitting facilities in order to provide energy for their citizens. And speaking of India, heat waves are becoming longer and more intense around the world. And India in particular experienced a series of intense heat waves this year with temperatures reaching a record of 49 Celsius in Delhi in May. 49, that's like 120. Oh my. I think that's, I, oh I don't my. think I'll survive that. That is when, yeah, sensitive people become- Not sensitive anymore. You know. Oh dear. And it says, but they're doing something about it. Facing rapid urbanization, more people moving into the cities and and soaring heat. So mm-hmm. India is also searching for sustainable, clean, and energy efficient cooling solutions. And in 2019, the the Indian government launched the India Cooling Action Plan, which outlines actions needed to provide access to sustainable and energy efficient cooling. And the plan emphasized the importance of passive cooling interventions, the manipulation of architectural elements for cooling uh, to boost client resilience, so we survive better in extreme weathers, and to induce the urban heat island effect, where buildings and roads absorb and retain heat. So because of uh, urbanization, well, there's so much like concrete, right? And metal, which I assume retain a lot of heat. And at the same time, since we were, you know, talking about flooding earlier, you know, before all this, when whenever it rained, water would just go down to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And then they just go down, 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 and then circulate in its natural pattern. 
But now with huge areas of cities, like the water has trouble going back or re-enter the circulation because it's blocked everywhere by concrete. Um, which is not as permeable unless it's part of your ceiling. <laughs> well, there are new permeable Material. surfaces that are made out of advanced materials and you can actually just pour a bucket of water straight into the ground. Instead of spreading out, it goes straight through. Mm, well, hopefully this can help with the flooding situations. And passive, one more word on passive cooling techniques. The barrier I mentioned earlier, they're called building envelopes, which they help separate the building interior from the external environment and to provide significant thermal comfort or adjustment, you know, by reducing the indoor temperature, cutting the need for air conditioning, which can result in energy savings of up to mm. 70%. This is an article also writing about, you know, alternative ways to cool a building in India. They're trying to come up ways to use less air conditioning and use just design, you know, better design mm. to help ventilate buildings or shield buildings from the sun a little bit better. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to throw something really bizarre out there, okay? Oh. And this is not in our, you know, the plan for the show. So, yeah, you know, I just want your natural reaction. Some sure. folks have said that it is possible to fly a few, you know, huge 747 type uh, planes super high and dump a few hundred tons of chalk into the atmosphere, which would stay in the atmosphere for like a couple of decades because of how, for whatever chemical reasons we're not going to go into. But the thing about the chalk would be, you could barely see it from a human perspective in the atmosphere at all. But because it's a white particle, as the sun's rays reflected off of the chalk, they would bounce back out of the atmosphere and it would provide a new way to shield the earth from ultraviolet radiation and photons that essentially are heating the earth. And it may be able to cool the earth by a couple of degrees Celsius. What is your initial impression of that idea, baby? Well, initial impression is uh, I'm a little wary of any methods interfering with natural patterns, but that might just be because I'm ignorant when it comes to science. But I'm a little concerned about, will this influence like plants, crops? Oh, yeah. It will. I mean, what you've said is what everyone else is saying that, whoa, okay, before we do anything to change the entire earth, like the way that the sunlight is absorbed by the earth, we sh this should be studied more intensely. But mm. a lot of scientists are presenting this or other extreme ideas to solve the problem of the earth overheating. Because even if we do a really good job and the earth only increases another 1.5 Celsius by the year 2050, it's still getting a, a lot worse to the point where there's an increased flooding and, and forest fires. So even if we do a great job, it's still getting worse. Mm. So there may be at some point you know, global scientific conventions with governments where they decide to take some kind of action like this or something similar to actually cool the earth using our collective knowledge of physics. Yeah. I mean, messing with the atmosphere, like <laughs> in huge areas, it's a little unsettling because like, how would you take it out? Right. If it doesn't work or oh, you can't, you can't take it or out. if it has any side effects. No, I was just reading about science and history, but you know, in simple terms. And there are so many examples from the past, from history that proves that sometimes we just act a little bit too fast and it took decades to realize the side effects or the impact from certain actions we take. 
we see something good, beneficial in the mm -hmm. near term. It's like when CFC was first invented, you know, that thing they use in air conditioning back in the days, how it damaged the ozone layer. But that wasn't proven until a little bit too late, right? A lot of things like mm -hmm. it takes a long time yes. to see the real effects from it. So I'm a little, I guess we should be careful, mm -hmm. right? But when natural ways, like these passive ways of cooling buildings, that sounds pretty safe to me. The, the effects may not be as dramatic, like it won't be 40 degrees down to 22, like in, in an hour, <laughs> but it will be, you know, helping us maybe a degree or two will help someone, right? Who is on the verge of just not, can't taking it anymore. Right. And right. Uh, if, you know, for people who are interested in architecture, you can check out like search for buildings. Uh, there are a couple of these, uh, I, I want to say ugly buildings, <laughs> but they're ugly for a reason. <laughs> like this Al Bar Towers in Abu Dhabi, they have this jolly, which is the lettuce, uh, what do you call it, pattern on the outside, which is inspired by the texture of human skin. So on the, not the entire exterior mm -hmm. of the building, but on parts of it, they have these cells. Like there's a, it's like the building is encased in a, a layer of skin that can breathe and it shields the actual building mm -hmm. from the heat and it helps air ventilate. So the lattice structure, minor difference, but uh, well, in their native language, it's called jali, like J-A-A-L-E. So these are, mm. it cuts the direct heat entering in a building by breaking down the total square meters of a typical window. Mm into a number of small holes. It sounds complicated, but when you see the picture, you you understand it right away, right? It's just, just like punching holes on a wall. It kind of looks like those uh, Middle Eastern geometric paintings they do, but in architectural form put on the building. Yeah, it's not just uh, for the flowery pattern, but these are actually useful. So the holes are almost exactly the same size as the thickness of the marble or sandstone, says experts in this area. And this thickness, works to reduce the direct glare of sunlight while allowing diffused illumination. Mm. So the building is not like completely dark, but there's enough sunlight, but it blocks out a lot of heat. And right. when air passes through holes, all these holes, it picks up velocity and penetrates afar. And I don't know why, but it says so. And due to the small openings, air gets compressed. And when released, it gets cooler. So I guess it doesn't explain why, <laughs> but that's the result. I've seen an interesting structure in India that was a school built by, um, you know, charities. Mm -hmm. And it was also an experimental architectural school. And it's shaped like an oval to some extent. And the broad sides of the oval face where the sun will rise and set. And what's interesting is the oval is also open so that there are openings for wind to rush through. And the classes... Mm -hmm take place in different sides of the building. So in imagine this, there are these walls that are, go up that are on a curved surface. So at any point in the day, wherever the sun is in the morning or in the afternoon, there is shade somewhere in the oval so that the kids that are, attend the school, you can, oh, yeah, they have class they just on that side there. or they play on mm. that side or they play on the other side. So depending on what time of day it is in the middle of the summer, the children are able to engage in normal activities and <laughs> without any electricity, being used for the purpose of cooling the building can still maintain a reasonable temperature. It's like they're on the back side of a sunflower, right? <laughs> yeah. Being shielded from the sun. Right. And so the, these ugly buildings, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, these buildings that we're talking these about. These 
new uh, beautiful These, buildings in their the new way. It's actually <laughs> the headquarters of a newspaper, major newspaper in New Delhi. It fuses traditional Indian jolly architecture with contemporary design features. It just like looks like the building grew some kind of like extra like scab on the outside. Are you are one of these people that's afraid of these small, tiny geometric holes? That's what I was telling you about. It's called tripophobia. But that's what you're, you have this phobia. Well, you have this phobia. it's uncomfortable. Oh, see, when I see these pictures from the article, I'm thinking, wow, it's very interesting and beautiful and geometric. And you're thinking... <laughs> This weirds me out. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, like I will just divert my attention, my looks somewhere else. Wow. But I mean, it looks this way for a purpose. And also the building, you know, this, this whole project, they use digital simulations to generate different patterns for each wall, depending on how much sunlight it receives. So think of this whole building as being organic, right? It's not just a bunch of concrete and metal. That Think of it as a building that has life, that's alive, right? When it senses, uh, when the sun shines this way, it will do something to change its skin to either, let's say, close its pores or open up its pores or to sweat or not. Now you're freaking me so, out. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, I wanted to go, I want to move uh, on. One more, uh, one more thing. Go ahead, says, okay, okay. So the north-facing wall, for instance, for this building has a 81% opacity. Opacity, yeah. So, I mean, opacity, okay. Compared to 27% opacity on the south side. Mm, mm, mm. And it also helps the building meet the needed lighting level naturally, ensuring no artificial lights are required during the day. Isn't that a thought? Mm. Like in the US, all the lights are like still on during the day, right? That's all electricity, guys. Uh, you know, we are wasteful. And one of the things I learned from my uh, wife here is open the curtain, turn the light off. Yeah, that's really simple. It doesn't occur to me as an American. <laughs> I'm just like, there's a light switch and it's dark wait growing up like just tell me like growing up have your like did your parents ever tell you to like save energy or save water it was a nighttime thing for us it was it's nighttime you're not in that room turn the light off you're listening to the bridge I do want to move on a little bit. We have one more article. Sure. This is from okay. BBC also. Wow, BBC. Thank you so much for all of you do for us. Lucy Sheriff, July 7th, mm. 2023. The simple ways cities can adapt. And this goes back to a lot of the things that you started the show on, baby. So essentially, mm. it talks about make the roads white. Water features can keep the, the cities cooler. So add new water features. You could have more water features by diverting water and increase green spaces. So, you know, have parks with tons and tons and tons and tons of trees, hmm. which is something that Wuhan has now. I don't know how it was when you were a kid. That makes but sense. now in Wuhan, the riverside is dotted with trees. So when you're walking along the river in the summer on both sides of the Yangtze, hmm. it is just bedecked with trees that are providing shade for all of the people there. It sounds like now uh, mosquitoes no. not only have the water area to lay eggs and breed, they also have pockets of green areas to hide and grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I wasn't so bothered by the heat when I was little, but the mosquitoes mm. was something that everyone hated back then. But sorry for mm. digressing. <laughs> 
I don't remember mosquitoes being like really, I would live there for a year and I don't remember mosquitoes being like tragically bad. <laughs> I have been to cities where mosquitoes were a huge problem. Mm. I don't want to say the name of the country or city that I was in, but I remember stopping at a red light for the pedestrians. It was red. You can't cross. And I wanted to cross really badly because standing still like 30 <laughs> mosquitoes land, were, were landing on me during like that oh, wow. 20 seconds or whatever. It was. You're like, I've never felt so yummy myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was providing a lot of mosquitoes with their daily meal. So. Well, that's why, like, when I stand outside in the summer, I'm always shifting my feet. Like, I'm always moving. Mm. It's almost like a habit now. It's just so that mosquitoes wouldn't really land on me. But anyhow, so please keep going. There's a picture in this article, and I wish everyone could see it. It is a heat map taken by NASA of Prague. Mm. And basically, it shows with red where the heat is and with uh, less red, yellow and green, where the cool is. And it basically shows all the cool places are places where there are parks, rivers, Mm -hmm. and creeks. And all the hot places are where it's just dense buildings. Mm -hmm. So basically, we need to intersperse, Mm -hmm. not just architecture, but city planners, need to intersperse cities with parks that, you know, cut through between buildings and neighborhoods everywhere. And that will essentially cool the entire city down instead of just having parks concentrated in a few very specific areas. I see. And also this reminds me of some really nice places to be on hot days. Mm. If let's say you don't want to turn on your air conditioner or it's broken that you can go to the shopping mall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very clever. You can go to restaurants. And it was a few weeks ago when it was like really hot in Beijing. I saw this video of a underground Oh, subway, right? It was uh, like the underground tunnel leading into the subway. And people took like small convertible, uh, what do you call it? Like chairs and stools. Mm -hmm. And they will actually go sit there (laughs) inside the... (laughs) Read a book. Yeah, why not? Pull your novel out um, and just read it. (laughs) (laughs) Spend the day. It was nice and cool. And which reminds me that the coolest places in the summer, back when I was living in Wuhan, Mm. Uh, I lived in Wuhan University mm-hmm. and there was uh, like a hill, a natural hill in the campus. And at the bottom of the hill, um, I think on both sides, there were these air raid shelters. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think a whole tunnel, there's a whole tunnel like all the way through the hill. I remember walking past by one of these air raid shelters. It was just natural, right? With like a, a iron gate. Yeah. And as I walked by, I felt this gush of cold wind. It was like cold in the summer, Mm. like coming out from inside the hill. It was like a huge air conditioner just blasting in your way. And in the summertime, maybe we should all just live in tunnels under the ground. Well, a certain times during the year, maybe not in like all the time, <laughs> but it was so <laughs> much cooler. It was like a whole different plane of existence. Sounds lovely. Yeah. So those uh, people like older people, sometimes they would just take their bamboo beds and place it there. That's back in the days. Mm. But I, I remember that to this day. It was so nice and cool. If we still have a minute. Yeah. The, there's this article I found um, by a young lady sharing 10 things living without air mm-hmm. conditioning taught me. So she was born in a Amish community and, you know, they like to live in nature and it, just some things she shared that might be useful for others. Uh, she said, you really do adapt. Yeah. You know, maybe you think you can't stand it, but give yourself a little bit of time. Your body can adjust at least to a certain extent. And also she said, you learn to accept sweat. Right. Don't feel grossed out with it. Uh, your body is just doing the right thing to help you mm. maintain a certain kind of balance. And um, <laughs> you get up early because it's hot. She had to get up early 
and take a nap during the middle of the day because it's too hot to do anything else. But that's actually a pretty healthy pattern, right? And it says she said you learn to conserve your movements to keep your heart rate、mm. and body temperature down. So don't go running your ten mile marathon, you know, when the weather is way over the comfort level. And you learn the value of air movement. So keep the air moving.、Um, and watermelons. She mentioned watermelons. And also, she said, water is the single most important thing in your life. So do remember to stay hydrated, but not too much water in the summertime. All right. Well, those sound like fantastic tips. Thank you so much, Bebe. If you want to add to this conversation, please email Bebe and I at welovethebridge@gmail.com. Thank you for your time, Bebe, and thank you for your time, listeners. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Oh yeah. 